0: welcome all of you all of our campuses those of you joining us online and uh, on Facebook live as as well as all the men and women at the Orleans Justice Center and St. Tammany Parish Jail and to our third the third and final week of our series entitled Jonah the God of Another Chance why don't you put your hands together right now and just show some love for each other awesome awesome we have had such a great time over the last few weeks unpacking the story of Jonah. It's familiar to most of you. And we've taken a look at a man and learned some life lessons from a guy who ran from God. And I think it's something that we can identify with because all of us uh, in some way or another have either run or tried to run from God. But Jonah finally got to the place, like many of us do, where we've, he drew a line in the sand with God. Have you ever done that? Drawn a line and said, you know what, that's enough. I'm, just, that's, I'm, I'm not gonna do that. I think God finds it kind of humorous when we make those definitive statements to him and we say, that's it, I'm not doing it. And, uh, and so that's what Jonah did. I remember one time we, uh, when, when Chris and I, actually twice since Christine, Christine and I have been married, that we kind of drew a line in the sand with God. We were visiting friends and family two different times Uh, in another city and as we left you know how it is you know your your home is great and just wonderful and it's always great to go visit people but but uh you know it's it's great when you go home too and i remember driving away two times two different times and looking at chris and looking in the rearview mirror and saying i would never live here (laughs) ever done that (laughs) both times we wound up living there both times (laughs) I think when we say stuff like that, God turns to Peter and goes, that's cute. Write that down. (laughs) We're going to come around to that again, okay? That's what Jonah did. He he drew a line in the sand with God because God asked him to do something he just didn't want to do. God called him to go to a wicked city, the city of Nineveh, and, uh, and, and Jonah just ran. Instead of going to Nineveh, he actually jumped on a ship going the opposite direction. That would be like if God spoke to you and said, I want you to get on an airplane and go to New York City, and I want you to proclaim this message of hope that I'm going to give you to the people of the city, and instead, you went down to New Orleans and jumped uh, the next Carnival Cruise Line to Cozumel that's what jonah did and of course you know as you, if if you're familiar with the story that that a storm arose and almost tore the boat in half but just before it broke apart jonah finally admitted he said okay guys this is my fault uh in fact if you'll throw me over it'll be okay and you'll all live and the, reluctantly the sailors agreed and they they threw jonah overboard and and uh, the storm calmed and 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 the Bible says in that moment that when they threw Jonah into the sea, that God provided a big fish, or a great fish in some translations. How many of you know God's provision is not always uh, what we think it should be? (laughs) How many of you think Jonah would have rather the Coast Guard pulled up right in that moment? But it wasn't the Coast Guard, it was a big fish, and so he spent the next three days inside of the fish, uh, counting his ways, measuring his days, and deciding, you know, if he was gonna how he was gonna deal with this whole thing. And of course, last week uh, Pastor Steve brought us through his prayer of repentance and how he would return to obedience in God and, and eventually the Bible says that the fish vomited him up onto the beach, and uh, and and that's where we left him last week. But one of the things that's happened over the last couple of weeks is is we have seen front and center a clear picture of the mercy of God. God's love and compassion and forgiveness and the fact that that time after time, regardless of how Jonah ran from him and how he was obstinate and stubborn and and how wicked the people of Nineveh was, God's heart was for them. God's heart of love and compassion that's the defining characteristic of who he is keeps coming forth front and center as God, the main character in the Jonah story. You see, it's easy sometimes, I think, to, to get so distracted by Jonah and the fish because those are pretty amazing parts of the story uh, that, that we've missed. The big picture of what God is, is telling us in this story and that is that God's heart of compassion and mercy is for everyone and he wants to reach people that he found a people in Nineveh that were desperately in need of him and he wanted he had a desire to include one of his kids in bringing the message of hope to them but is but for whatever reason they didn't want to he didn't want to and for whatever reason, Jonah decided that it was better to disobey God than to be a messenger of hope, an extension of God's mercy and love in the lives of these people who needed God. You see, God, we've learned over these last few weeks, is the God of another chance. He's called us as his children to be the people of another chance, but Jonah didn't do that. He wasn't willing to do that. In fact, he instead does, some, like we do so often, he, he had lists with people, you know what I mean? Like he, instead of li- extending mercy and forgiveness and grace, he, Jonah it had offenses and lists of things where he'd been wrong in people's lives, and we, if we're not careful, can fall into that same trap. In fact, you may be familiar with this—the kind of per- you may be the kind of person who uh, who keeps lists, you, who who you know you really never let go of anything quite completely. In fact, you've got quite uh, long and extensive. Look right here. On she said this, and and then she said it again at the Christmas party. Did you see how she looked at me? And, and, this, and this coach, and this is what he said, and those were the things, and on and on and on and on, and you can go through your list and just keep, and these things keep us from being people of a second chance. They keep us from dealing with, with sin and, and offenses the way God deals with them. In fact, this is how God deals with them. And if you're under 40, you're probably not gonna recognize this, but let me just show you anyway. <laughs> if you don't know what this is, you need to watch Elf, Okay. I know it's not Christmas, but just pull it out. It's on. It's, you can probably get it today if you if you're not sure. This is called an etch a sketch, and this is a this is a model of how God deals with our sin. Okay, this is a, a human interpretation of how God deals with our sin as His children. Okay, this is what happens. So on an etch a sketch. You can draw stuff, and so you got these controls, and you just draw a lot of things and pictures and wonderful deals that are going on. You can probably see this stuff going on. And, and so this is kind of a graph of how our lives go. It's kind of all over the place. And, uh, and you know, not really not much, but and, and our goal, again, as a Christian, we don't want to sin. We don't want to, to besmirch the name of Jesus. In fact, I've told you guys this before. As a believer, I know what my sin has cost Christ. I know what it's cost Jesus uh, to, to, to pay the price for my sin. So I, I never genuinely want to sin again. But so far I'm up to zero days in a row. How many of you guys know what I'm talking about? <laughs> and, and here's the great thing about God, is that this is how he deals. The Bible says that he separates our sin from us. He casts them into the sea of forgetfulness. So every day as we come to him, the Bible says in 1 John chapter one that God, if we confess our sin, that he's faithful and just to forgive us our sin and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And so he takes his etch sketch and he just goes, okay, it's under the blood and we have a brand new clean slate. That's how God deals with offense and <laughs> sin and forgiveness, unforgiveness but we tend to keep lists, just like Jonah. And for whatever reason, we, we, we have thoughts about people's lives and, 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 and the, the problem with the way that we deal with sin and the way that we deal with uh, th- things, people who are wrong with, and the, we view our lives is that God's plan for each one of us involves us becoming an ambassador of his grace, of his mercy, of his love. God is not only the God of another chance, but he has called us to be people of another chance. And that's really what I wanna talk to you about today as we unpack the rest of Jonah's story about what does it mean to become people of another chance. Have you ever met somebody who's a person of another chance? When, when I think about this subject of mercy and long-suffering patience and forgiveness and kindness, I almost always think about people like my mom. My mom was one of those people that just, she's one of those people that believes the best. It does not matter what you've done or what you say. You know, she, she forgives quickly. She believes the best. I remember when I was a kid, we would say things about, you know, we'd talk about, man, I, you know, this person said that or whatever, and they're an idiot and all this stuff. My mom's, hey, 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 you don't know what's going on in their life. You don't know what else is happening you don't know what's what's going on and and she's a person of another chance and i want you to just think for a minute about the people in your life who are people of another chance and how you feel when you're around them how they, the life and the love of god just comes forth from them and how you always feel that leave their presence feel encouraged and built up and believing that anything is possible even in the midst of your mistakes god can do anything and god's called each one of us to be, if you will, uh, ambassadors of that, of that grace, of that mercy, of the ministry uh, of reconciliation. Last week, Pastor Steve ended uh, by talking about this. This is what he said, no matter how far you run, as long as you turn to Christ, as long as you turn back to God, that his plan for you never changes His plan for you never changes. And chapter two ends with Jonah on the beach uh, having been spit out by the fish and and now God has his undivided attention. How many of you know if you just got spit out of a fish, you'd be paying attention? My dad always said the greatest thing about being flat on your back is that you can only look up. Jonah was looking up. And, uh, and so as we look at the beginning of chapter three this week, we find this to be true. So if you'll open your Bibles and take out your notes at all of our campus, I want to ask you to just follow along. We're going to take a look at the rest of the Jonah story as we talk about what it means to become a people of another chance. Just like God's a God of another chance, we're going to become people of another chance and we're going to do it over these next few minutes as we unpack three keys to becoming people of another chance. Now, Jonah chapter three, and I'm going to take a look at this. Uh, very quickly before we get into your points, but I want to open with this passage from the third chapter of Jonah. It says this, it says, now the word of the Lord came to Jonah a second time. Everybody say a second time. In In the Hebrew, this word second time really just means the next time. It's not necessarily the numerical number two. It's the next one in order. So another time saying, arise and go into Nineveh, the great city, and proclaim the proclamation which I'm going to tell you. And what's happening is God came to Jonah again on the beach, and this is so significant for us because what's happening is God is revealing to Jonah that not only is he giving him another chance, he still wants him to be involved. He still wants to invite him into this process of being an instrument of his mercy and grace, but he's also still deeply concerned and compassionate for this great city that's desperately in need of his love. The Bible describes Nineveh as a wicked city, as a terrible city, as a bad place. Uh, it, it just imagine the worst place you can think of. It was, it was along those lines. In fact, probably worse uh, just because of some of the practices they held uh, during that day. And, and the Bible says that God came to him again and said, hey, this is still my plan for you. This is still my heart towards these people. I still wanna use you. I still want you to be involved. I wanna bring redemption to these people, these wicked people who don't deserve my mercy, but I'm gonna give it to them anyway, and I want you to be involved. And so the Bible says that he came and he was moved to compassion, and as we unpack these verses, we're gonna find three keys uh, today to becoming the people of another chance. And the first one is this, and this is, this, is, this is kind of the foundation of them all, and I want you to understand this as we move forward today in becoming people of another chance another chance, and that is step out in faith even when you're concerned, confused, or conflicted. The first step in in becoming a people of another chance is we've gotta learn to trust God and step out in faith. Regardless of whether we are afraid, whether we're concerned about, whether we don't understand what's happening, and even when we don't agree, obviously Jonah had a different idea about these people than God did. He, he was on a different page than God was in this moment, but God said, step out. He said, go a second time. Let's look a little bit closer at these first few verses in Jonah chapter 3. Again, he says, verse 1 now the word of the Lord came to Jonah the second time, saying, Arise and go to Nineveh, the great city, and proclaim to it the proclamation which I'm going to tell you. And watch this. So Jonah arose and went to Nineveh according to the word of the Lord. A little bit different response this time. And, uh, of course, now Nineveh was an exceedingly great city, a 3 days walk. In other words, it was a three-day walk around. It took three days to walk completely around the city. That's how big it was. But the thing I want you to notice in this passage, in verse 3, it says that, Jonah arose, in other words, there was an immediate response and obedience to what God was saying him, to him this time. Jonah didn't hedge, he didn't hesitate, he just got up and he began to go. And, and the fact is that, that if we are going to become a people of another chance, that if, as, just like Jonah did, we're going to have to live with a mindset that says, whatever God tells me to do, I'm going to do it. Those are, that's a decision that we make every day, but we, we have to make it ahead of time, before the questions come, before the challenges come, before the times when God says that, hey, I want you to step out in faith and take a risk for me. We have to have already decided in our minds and in our hearts that whatever God says, we can trust him, that it's for our best, it's for the best of whatever, whoever else is involved, and I'm going to step out and do it in faith, whether I understand it, whether I am afraid or not, and whether I agree with it. Jonah responded this time in faith because he had settled that in his heart. If we're gonna be people of another chance, we're gonna to have to take some risks. We're gonna to have to step out in faith and take some risks even when we don't understand it. But in our culture today, it's normal uh, for us to kind of play it safe. In fact, what we like to do uh, when we're faced with a decision is we like to Google it and get us all the information that we can. In fact, most of the time we even put it on social media. Okay, here's on my, on my Facebook page or my Instagram story. I'm gonna, this is what I think I'm gonna do and what do you guys think? And depending on what kind of feedback we get, how many likes we get or thumbs up or thumbs down, whatever, the, the response is it kind of governs our next step. Now, let me clear, make this very clear. I am not saying... Uh, that you should not have godly accountability and that your life should be subject to the principles of scripture and the wisdom of godly counsel around you. I'm not saying that. But what I am saying is that as we step out in faith to the voice of God, we cannot get stuck, so stuck in the analysis paralysis that we forget to move forward, that we forget that, we, that God has called us to, to a task, to something specific that's, that, that has a time sensitivity to it, that God is bringing it into our lives and into our awareness to involve him in the work of heaven. And although we need godly counsel and we need to be in the, the word and we need to follow the principles of scripture, we don't need to get stuck in the opinions of people around us and the information of this world as to, de- that to determine whether or not we should obey God. And so jo- Jonah, this time he stepped out in faith And there's something that begins to happen, and I wanna point this out as we go into the next verse, in verse four, there's something interesting that happens to Jonah as he begins to obey God. Look what happens in verse four. He says, then Jonah began to walk through the city, one day's walk, and he cried out and said, yet 40 days, and Nineveh will be overthrown. Look at the very first phrase in this verse. It says, then Jonah, everybody say it with me, began to go. Jonah began to go. The, The idea here is that there's a process of stepping out in faith, there's a a process of acting in obedience to God. In fact, uh, the Hebrew word for began in this text specifically involves the idea of untying or unwinding something. And and here's here's the idea, that as we step out in faith, as we move towards God in obedience, as we move towards the call of God in our lives, sometimes we have to untie some stuff from our lives. Sometimes we have to undo some decisions that we've made. Sometimes there's some relationships or situations, circumstances, even maybe some financial decisions or plans that we've made that we have to untie ourselves, unencumber ourselves from so that we can obey God and do what God's called us to do. Sometimes the things, even our hearts, and not even necessarily concrete plans or specific things, but just sometimes our thoughts about our lives and the plans and the agenda that we have about our lives is gonna require that we change the way we see things in order to be able to step, to be unencumbered, to be untied as we move into the purposes of God in our lives. We have to stop for a moment and say, what is it? And I would ask you this right now. What is it in my life as God is calling me to take a step of faith, as God is calling me to step out into his purposes for my life, to not just to to self-actualize, to become the person that I think I should be, but to, to be involved in what God has called me to do. What is it in my life that's preventing me from taking that step of faith? When, I was, uh, when we lived in New York City, I, I, we had a, um, a friend of mine found out about a trapeze school that they were doing. The circus was in town, and they were doing like a trapeze school where you could go for a few hours and learn how to swing on a trapeze and jump to the next one. And of course, I never turned down a good adrenaline rush, so, uh, so I went. We went, and we had fun, and just so you know, I'm terrible at this. Like, I, I could not. I just really, they're screaming at me, on you know, they're teaching us how to keep our momentum going. Okay, now! And I'm like, uh, you know, I didn't, I didn't want to let go, uh, which is unlike me, actually. But I found it very difficult to time it right, where I could hit, I just, I, you know, heart, and I actually did one time, you know, release and go to the next one. But one thing that I learned for certain, and this is so important as we're stepping out in obedience to God, this is so important, In order to grab the next trapeze, you have to let go of the one that you're on. Mm. I'll let that sit with you for a second. In order for you to step into the next thing that God has for you, many times you're going to have to let go of the things that you're hanging on to. You can't grab the next one and cling to the one you're on at the same time and in the faith that the leap of faith there involved is that space between the time you let go of the one that you're on and that split second until and it seems like an eternity when you grab the next one it's the same way in our life of obedience in Christ it's the same it's the thing Jonah was figuring out that obedience was that the call of God to let go many times of our preconceived notions about who we are and what our lives need to look like, and in all of our campuses, I want to encourage you that whatever God's next step for you is, you can trust him for the space in between, that whatever is happening in your life, whatever it is that he's calling you to let go of, the promise of God is that your life is moving from glory to glory and faith to faith and strength to strength, that the one that he's calling you to grab is ultimately going to be better than the one you're swinging on right now, amen? We've got to step out in faith, even when we're afraid, even when we're confused, and even when we don't agree. Number two, we've got to expect good faith. If we're going to become people of another chance, we have to expect good fruit as a result of our obedience to God. Have you ever asked yourself this question? This is so interesting to me. Have you ever asked yourself the question, why Nineveh? Why that particular city? You see, because Nineveh was a horrible city. It was a large city. It was. Uh, it, it was. I mentioned before. It was a three-day walk. It was a giant city. A, 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 Giant walled city, a fortress, but it was also an epicenter culturally and economically. It was, it was one of the most influential cities of the, in the world at that time, over 120,000 residents in the city of Nineveh, and God, of course God wanted to reach that city, not only because those wicked people desperately needed him, but it would impact the entire world, and he picked Jonah to be the delivery boy, to be the messenger that would bring that message of transformation and hope and God's mercy to that city. And God's desire was to reach that city because of the influence uh, that they had. And of course, we. but if you think about it, you can't really blame Jonah for his response because the fact is, is that it was a pretty, there was a pretty slim chance that anything was gonna happen there. As you looked at that city and those people from the, through natural eyes, it was not very likely that they were gonna respond to the gospel. In fact, what was very likely is that Jonah would lose his head over this thing, that, they, that he would not only be rejected, but they would probably take his life based on their reputation. That's what Jonah's thinking. And let's be honest. I mean, we're, not, we're all holy and all that because we got the, the book and we already read the story in the end and everything. But if you were in that same situation, we would probably make the same decision. We would probably come to the same conclusion because they were just too far gone. Those people were just gone. I mean, it was wild in Nineveh. And, and the fact is, is that we often evaluate the circumstances that God sends us into, the relationships that he calls us to walk in, the decisions that he calls us to make through natural eyes on the basis of whether or not we think it's worth the risk. Let me just tell you, if God's calling you into it, it's worth the risk. It's worth the risk. I, I, I was one of those least likely people. Are you with me? I was the kind of those kind of people that everyone had given up on and they had said basically the, this guy will never serve God Nineveh was a they will never serve God kind of city I was a never he will never serve God kind of person and and people had given up on me and said that you'll in fact one guy told the person who led me to Christ the story I told you a few weeks ago he said if you can lead one guy on this base to Christ it will be worth the whole deal And later on, we found out he was talking about me. That's the kind of reputation that I had. That's the kind of reputation the city of Nineveh had. And so we can't get upset with Jonah because it had been written off. The city was too far gone. But the fact is, is that even though everybody had written it off, look what happened. Look what happens in verse five. The Bible says the people of Nineveh believed in God. Everybody say believed in God. They believed. They did the unthinkable. They did what nobody saw coming. They did the miraculous. They did what was beyond anybody's wildest imagination. They called a fast and put on sackcloth from the greatest to the least of them. And the Bible says that they that the city turned from their sin and they turned to God. We're gonna look into that in just a minute. But the fact is, is when we obey God, anything can happen. Anything can happen. Lives were changed. The people reprinted repented and turned away from their sin and turned to God. And here's the thing. When, when, we, when God calls us into a step of a faith, a step of obedience like this, we are not responsible for the outcome. He is. The Holy Spirit takes full responsibility for the results of our obedience. The pressure is off of us. Our job is just to obey. And the city of Nineveh repented. They turned away from their sin. In verse 10, in fact, we see what the God of another chance shows up again. And this is what he said. When God saw their deeds, that they had turned from their wicked way, then God relented concerning the calamity. Watch, everybody read this together with me. One, two, three. Which he had declared he would bring upon them. And he didn't do it. God... Moved so mightily among those people. Their transformation was so deep and so complete that God said, you know what? I'm, I was gonna destroy this city and now I'm not going to because one man was obedient. One man was had faith to step out and to face the impossible and to just make room for God. Hey, who knows? Maybe God will show up. Maybe, and listen, you may be in a situation today where, where it seems impossible, a, a relationship or a job situation or a financial situation or a health situation, where it seems from the external, from, your, from the eyes of the flesh, every indicator is that there is no hope. But, but in our faith, as we obey God, what we're, all we're doing is making room for God to move and do the impossible. That's what happened in Nineveh. That's what God wants to do today through our lives Can you imagine how hard, I mean, can you imagine the Instagram story on this thing? I mean, all over the media, all over the press, everything is Nineveh repents, sackcloth and ashes. They're declaring a fast. The celebrities, the, high, the most notable people of the day, the most powerful, prominent political leaders and celebrities of their day were standing. Instead of, instead of living in debauchery and wickedness, they're declaring their newfound faith in God and they're, they're, they're denouncing their old ways and their wickedness and their sin and they're talking about living a moral and pure life. I mean, this would have turned the world upside down. In fact, it did. It, it, the repercussions were tremendous, the repercussions were great, and it, it, it would be like today if, if, if Vegas or New York or even New Orleans or a city like that became, and how many of you believe that's what God wants to do? We're to turn to Christ and empty out the strip clubs and the casinos and turn them into houses of worship and houses where the poor could be taken care of and we could minister to those in need instead of this, the wickedness that goes on in those cities. That's what God did then. How many of you think he can do it today? When we live, as, live our lives as people of another chance, we open the door for God to do anything, to open the windows of heaven over our situations, over our lives. As we, as we extend grace and mercy to the, to, to the lives of other people, we keep the door of grace open for God to do the impossible, for the Holy Spirit to move. And with, when he begins to move, anything is impossible. Just think about the miracle of your own life. Think about the miracle of what happened in you when you turned to faith in Christ. Think about it. All our campuses, the people who, who, were, who were betting against you, even today at, the, at Orleans Justice and, and St. Tammany, if you're there today, listen, the, the, the people have said there's no hope for them, but today could be your day. Today could be the day in every one of our, in all of our locations and online, that today could be the day that God does the impossible, not only in your life, but the circumstances that you're believing and trusting him for. That's the business that God is in. He's still in the miracle working business. But something else happens when we live as people of another chance. It's not just what happens around us. Something happens in us and through us. We begin to experience the blessing of God, the presence of God at another level. We begin to experience an intimacy of someone who has partnered with the very heart of God, as we tap in to the thing that's closest to him and begin to experience his hand in our lives, the blessing of his life flowing through us into the lives of others. And the greatest blessing of all is that the manifestation of God's presence when we experience the overwhelming joy of God's nearness and his friendship because we have joined with him in that which is the most precious to him. God's blessing begins to flow through our lives. I, I told you a couple of weeks ago the story of the, the, my father-in-law, the guy who led me to Christ. And one of the things that's so notable about this man is even to this day, he lives in a friendship with God because, his, because of his willingness to be obedient to God and to partner with him. I, he, he, everywhere he goes, he, he talks about the love of God and the mercy of God. He's in tune with what God's doing in people's lives. His favorite verse, his life verse, you're gonna love this, is from Psalm 23. And he, you can barely have a conversation with him without him saying this verse in some form, he'll go, hey man, surely goodness and mercy follows me all the days of my life and I will live in God's presence forever. How would you like that to be your declaration? How would you like that to be your theme verse? Man, surely goodness and mercy are following me. It's just leaking off of me because I remember what it was like without it and I'll never withhold it from someone else. That's what it means to be a person of another chance. We experience the fullness of the abundant life that God's prepared for us as we step out in obedience to the voice of the Holy Spirit, as we expect God's fruit, good fruit in our lives. And then finally, as we start every day with our hearts, it's about your heart. It was about Jonah's heart. That was what God was after all along. And it is with us. And sadly, when we look over into the fourth chapter as we wrap up, uh, today, this weekend, in this series, as we look into the next chapter, we see Jonah in another very difficult place. Verse four, verse 1 of chapter 4 says this, but, remember, revival just happened in Nineveh, okay? Here's Jonah's response. But it greatly displeased Jonah, and he became angry. What was it? It was the revival that just took, just took place in Nineveh. But Jonah was angry about it. Jonah was aggravated with it. And, and, and God forgave them and blotted out their s- sins, but, but Jonah forgot. Jonah forgot what it was like to be outside of God's mercy. Jonah forgot what it was like the day before. I want you to think about this for a second. It's, I think it's one of the most spiritual things we can do as Christians is take minutes from time to time to remember what life was like before we knew the Lord to remember the chaos and the confusion and the guilt and the shame that we lived in, the, 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 the frustration and the fear that we lived in apart from Christ. And I think what happens so often is we forget, just like Jonah, we forget what our lives were like, and it prevents us from being able to put ourselves in a posture of being that instrument of mercy and grace, that people, that person of another chance that God wants to include in what he does in people's life. Here's the point, that Jonah's behavior changed, but his heart did not. Jonah's behavior changed, but his heart did not. You see, Jonah was a prophet. That meant that he was known in his area, his town, his, among his people, to be a voice piece for God, that he spoke from the heart of God. And, you know, we just naturally assume that Jonah was this old jerk that was kind of grumpy and mean-spirited and just didn't want to obey God. But the fact is, is that he probably was awesome. I mean, like, In his normal, in his home setting, he was probably a good dad, a good leader, a good prophet. He obviously was, he had character. He admitted to the sailors instead of letting them all die that he was the problem. But we are so quick to jump to the conclusion that Jonah was just an idiot, and so he was a jerk, and he just didn't do what God wanted him to do. But that's probably not the case at all. The fact is that it was this one particular thing that God called him to do that caused him to run. And I think that God knew that that was in him. You see, you see, because God is more concerned with what he's doing in us necessarily than what he's doing through us. And, and God saw that hurt, that pain. Who knows what happened? The Bible doesn't tell us, but maybe, maybe Jonah or someone close to him, maybe a family member or a friend, someone very close to him was, was hurt by Ninevite people. Maybe it was just the reputation. that he, Maybe he had personally never encountered them, but their reputation was so bad, he had just judged them. On his own, he just said, you know what? They don't deserve it, they're jerks. I'll never go, remember he drew a line. I'll never do that. We don't know. And I think God saw that and he said, hey Jonah, that one thing, that one group of people, that one, and and Jonah's in his heart probably had prejudice and, and, and stereotypes against these people hey, Jonah, that one, that one group of people that doesn't look like you, they don't talk like you, not, they don't sound like you, they don't act like you, that's who I wanna show my mercy to. I want you to join me with it. But Jonah just couldn't get over it. Even after, it even says later on in the chapter that Jonah said, I did not wanna go because I knew, listen to this, I knew you were compassionate and merciful and long-suffering and forgiving, and I didn't want them to be the beneficiaries of that. And how, and, I, and again, the, the difficult thing for us to come to so often as Christians is that we all have a Nineveh. We all have a Nineveh. We all have, there's all, every one of us have someone or some thing, some situation, some person, some group of people that we, we've, we've stood in judgment of, we've held in contempt because maybe either personal or just ideas, thoughts that we have about them or those situations And I'm just encouraging that through the Jonah story, God is calling us today to say, listen, I am, I wanna use you and heal you at the same time as I call you to step out in faith. Trust me for the outcome, keep your heart before me. Because because Jonah never, his heart never changed. He was bound to religious activity and obligation. He never really enjoyed the, the experience of what God had for him, that, that friendship, that, that relationship with God. He was stand, sitting down on the outside, but he was standing up on the inside, bound in religion and obligation. Through Jonah, we see that it's possible to obey God, but still miss out on the blessing if we refuse to forgive and, to, and we continue to stand in judgment of other people. I just wanna encourage you as we close today, If you will dive daily into the pool of God's mercy, I love the way David said it in Psalm 139. He says, search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know every anxious thought and see if there's any hurtful way in me and lead me in the way everlasting and your ways. And I think every day when we start like that and we acknowledge that, man, apart from God, we're all a mess. We dive into the pool of his mercy and swim around in there for a while. It becomes a lot easier to offer a cup of it to the people around us. us. Listen to the promise of scripture. Lamentations chapter 3. This is what Jeremiah wrote about God's mercy. He says, the steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercies never come to an end. They're new every morning. Great, oh God, is your faithfulness. And as we respond as we hear the story of Jonah and recognize the heart of God and respond to him in obedience to, be, to become people of another chance. God will do exceeding abundantly above all that we can ask or imagine according to the power of his spirit that's at work within us. Will you stand with me this morning?